We're working our way through the book of Acts. Tony thought it would be a very helpful thing for us to look at the life of the early church, the exciting story of the birth of the church, and we'll be seeing what lessons we can learn from the story, and I hope we'll be challenged as to how we as individuals and as a church might move forward. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And in the passage of Scripture we looked at last Sunday, Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 to 13, we heard the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit on that very first day of Pentecost, the coming in the roaring of a rushing wind, in tongues of fire, in the speaking of other languages that all could understand. Of course, that was stunning, that was exciting, that was thrilling, and the effect on those involved was such that those looking on said, verse 13 here in chapter 2, they have too, they have had too much wine. The Baptist minister Rob Warner remarks about this passage, that if many traditional churches of today had taken to the streets of Pentecost, the crowd would not be asking if they were drunk, but rather whose funeral they had been at. Here we've got these excited people who seem drunk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that may strike a chord for some of us here because I can think of times when the presence of the Holy Spirit has been so real upon me that I've been unable to stand up or I've actually fallen over. And this seems to be a common phenomenon. In the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes in a particular way, the word in the Hebrew for that mean, experience has the meaning of heaviness, with the idea of a weight that makes you stagger and fall. And that experience seems the same as the one here at Pentecost. So the disciples have just shared in this great experience of the power and the presence of God. The crowds have accused them of being drunk. So Peter does what any Christian leader would do in those circumstances. He preaches a sermon. Verse 14 here, which I can barely see because I've left my glasses on the table, if you wouldn't mind just uh, uh, getting them. Uh, What does verse 14 say, Joe? (laughs) Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this. Listen carefully to what I have to say. Thank you very much. You see, if people get too excited about the faith, the key thing is that you preach a sermon. And that will dull them down a bit. There was a Puritan teacher called John Dodd, and he preached a great number of most tedious sermons from the Decalogue. They were so tedious that they called them Dodd's Droppings. The the writer, Anthony Trollope, once said, there is no greater hardship inflicted upon mankind in civilized countries than the necessity of listening to sermons. Peter's sermon must have been a bit better than that, however. And in it, he sets out the Old Testament prophecy to explain what's happening. And then he talks about the coming, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And it's such an effective sermon that we're told here in verse 41, and I've got it written out large in my sermon, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, what a sermon that must have been. How I pray that God might use, thank you, my preaching as effectively. But on a day such as today, as we welcome our sisters and brothers into the membership of the church, surely this is a day when we leave this church rejoicing. When we leave this church, not with the question as to whose funeral we've been at, but rather when we leave the church, people say, what was the celebration all about? For we may not have had 3,000 added to our number this morning, but we are having 36 added. 11 by confirmation and 25 through folk coming back to faith or joining us from other churches or continents. As someone once said, there is but one Easter, but there are millions of Pentecosts. For our mini Pentecost this morning, we give thanks and acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is active and at work today, just as on the first day of Pentecost. And here we learn a great truth about the work of the Holy Spirit, that that work is ever new. New on that first Pentecost gathering, but new today as well as we gather together, welcoming new people to a new church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, we read this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. When I was a young man, I had a beaten up old Morris Minor. Um, I've had five others since then, all equally beaten up. But that one in particular was really beaten up. And also I had no money. So I had to buy the very cheapest of everything. So I brought tires that were called retreads. I don't know if you can still get them now, but they were an old tire that had had a tread sort of stuck or welded onto them. And they were very cheap. And of course the reason they were cheap is that they weren't very reliable. And one day as I was driving along, the whole outside of one of these tires came off and flew into the pavement, and I ground to a halt by the roadside. Well, God isn't offering us retreads. God is offering us a whole new tire. Because you're a new person when you come to Christ. If we had time to talk to each of those coming into membership this morning, they would have different stories to tell. But the one thing that would be a common theme is that faith is not just about a new aspect of life. Faith is about becoming someone new. For some of those coming into membership this morning, it's been about growing up in a Christian family. A gradual realization of what they believed and where life is centered. For others, it's been a story of coming to faith from right outside the church. Every story is different. Every story matters. But the key thing to remember, the key thing to learn, is that when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you become a new person. 
It doesn't matter what sort of mess you've made of the past. It doesn't matter what sort of sticky situation you're in in the present. It doesn't matter whether the world regards you as a success or as a failure. It doesn't matter how bright or how talented you are. We come one by one to faith in Jesus Christ who by his Holy Spirit makes us into new people. And then the other part of this service this morning is the linking into the life of the church, the reception into membership for the ongoing future into this church here at the heart of Westminster. And some of those who are coming back to faith have been away from God for many years. You grew up in a Christian home perhaps, but only now have you come back to Christ and back to the fellowship of his church. How good it is to welcome you home. Some here have moved to London from other parts of the UK or from other parts of the world. Here you've found a welcome and a spiritual home, and that's great. Some of you who come from another church, for one reason or another, you've felt led to worship here with us, and we are so pleased to welcome you. But the effect of all these sisters and brothers joining us is that, in fact, we become a new church because the church is made up of people. And if the people change, the church changes. Jesus said to us in John chapter 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you so you must also love one another. If we are a community of love, then as new people come and join us, we are called to obey that new commandment of Jesus and do our very best to love one another as we meet here in worship week by week and as we touch together during the week. This is a church of many nations and groups This is a church with people from a whole variety of social backgrounds. This is a church where some are rich and some are close to the baseline. This is a church where people hold very different views on politics, on human sexuality, on a whole host of other difficult and contentious issues. But we are renewed by the love of Christ. We don't view ourselves as Ghanaian or British or Nigerian or Filipino or Gambian or Syrianian or Oriental or wherever our root is. We view ourselves as one in Christ because our allegiance to Christ comes before our national allegiance or our cultural allegiance or our family allegiance. Before our allegiance to theology or principle or politics. And as we worship together, and as we share together, and as we sometimes struggle together, God makes us constantly new. For our God is the God who makes all things new. So what an exciting and happy day this is for us. New people joining us, because Jesus Christ is making them new. A new church because they've joined us and because we are a church on the move. 
doing our very best to tune in, to walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who makes us, just as he made that group of people on the very first day of Pentecost, a new people and a new church. Thanks be to him. Let's be quiet together. Lord, we're sorry when you don't let us, when we don't let you make us new. But we're so thankful that your grace does make us new. We thank you especially for those people who are publicly witnessing to that today, but that their witness be a challenge to each one of us, that today, this day, we may make a new beginning. And Lord, we think about the life of the church, constantly changing, constantly different group of people, constantly facing new challenges. But if you're at the heart of what we're doing, we know we're on the right lines. We ask that you will be with us and that you will keep making us a new community of love and faith. So bless us, Lord, we pray now. We ask it. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand to sing a song of praise and thanksgiving. Come, now is the time to worship.